This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. Bank of Canada has spent years looking at whether to introduce a digital currency, but so far, nothing has materialized. How close are we to having a digital loony? Moshe Lander is a senior economics lecturer at Concordia University and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Moshe. Good morning. So is a digital loony on the horizon, or is this still a pipe dream at this point? It's a pipe dream. Thanks for having me on. I'll talk to you next time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why is it a pipe dream? Um, you, you know, in order for, for the bank to be able to issue a digital loony, it's going to have to have wide take-up. And so it's kind of one of those chicken-and-the-egg sorts of arguments that until it has wide take-up, it's not going to issue it. But it's not going to issue it unless it has wide take-up. And so um, no one's going to take it up until it's issued. And so we're kind of caught in this endless loop here that we're not using digital currencies in other aspects of our lives, you know, Bitcoin and things like that, wide enough for the bank to feel confident that if they issued a digital currency, it would be used or accepted. So what kind of take-up number would we have to see? I don't know that they're going to look for necessarily a particular percentage, but I, I can probably say that whatever that number is, it's it's not even close to happening yet, right? If you think about just the basics of how our transaction systems work, right? Think about how many businesses would have to have some sort of capacity to accept digital currency. Think of how many people would have to be using digital currency as a means of buying things right now. And so right now, you know, if you look at kind of Bitcoin, which is like the template that most central banks would want to look at, that's barely used as like a speculative sort of um, currency. And it's being used a little more mainstream now. But, you know, we're still not seeing things like uh, people being paid in Bitcoin or um, you know, services being paid for or supplies being ordered in Bitcoin. So it, it's it's so far down the line at this point uh, that I, I don't think there's any confidence that the central bank would want to engage with it. What are people using uh, things like Bitcoin for? <laughs> well, I mean, it started off for mostly illegal things, right? Yeah. Um, and so it kind of started off in the black market. Um, I, you know, there's a story of an athlete who wanted to be paid in Bitcoin. There's a few people who will uh, accept Bitcoin as payment for services, mostly because they're speculating that Bitcoin is like a one-way uh, you know, upward investment, the way we thought like housing was always the one-way upward investment. So it, it, it's kind of there at the margins. It's just, you know, you're not being paid in Bitcoin. Nobody at CHML is being paid in that. No one in academia is being paid in Bitcoin. Like, it's just, it, it, it's so far from the mainstream that it's merely kind of isolated incidents where it's it's almost kind of funny to be paid in Bitcoin rather than this is legitimate transactions and that's the way that we're negotiating payment. Even though this might remain a pipe dream at this point, has the pandemic accelerated or decelerated any kind of talk about a digital currency in Canada? I guess if I'm going to point in one direction, it's, it's accelerated. So one of the, the things that a lot of us have probably seen is that we're really not using hard cash anymore, right? We're using uh, Apple Pay or we're using our, you know, Google wallets or um, we're, we're using debit cards and credit cards, right? The actual idea of, you know, it, it, to me, it reminds me of my grandparents carrying around like a wad of cash <laughs> in their pocket uh, and using that to pay for everything. Uh, that sort of thing has disappeared. And, and the pandemic has probably sped up that deterioration of, of cash usage um, merely because it's just not safe to be passing around coins to, to people and having it touched hundreds of times. Even before the pandemic, there were always these studies that would show up that talked about, you know, like how much fecal matter <laughs> was was on a coin or something. And, you know, if you, if you read the numbers, it was, it was so scary that 
it, it almost made you just want to move towards digital. But there's still a way to go between debit cards and digital currency. So what is the difference between a debit card and when we look at, you know, on our smartphone to our bank statement, all those numbers mean something, but really it's virtual money unless you have it in your hand. What's the difference between that and a digital currency? So the debit card is really the manifestation of your cash, right? So in theory, like I said, you know, with my grandparents, they would have carried around their, their cash uh, in their pocket or in their, their purse. Um, over time, technology advanced that just said, look, rather than you having to carry huge amounts of cash, why don't we just say that this card represents the cash that you now no longer have to carry around. And so the evolution of things like tap then just became that instead of having to actually swipe it and type in a pin number, now you can just touch it and we will accept that that card represents actual cash. A digital currency is going to have a lot of similar sort of features in that we're not going to actually have cash to touch, um, but the way that it would be issued would be slightly different. Right now what happens is, say, the Bank of Canada issues a dollar coin, uh, and then as that coin gets passed around and deposited into banks, it generates new cash in the process. Um, A digital currency might not have that capacity to create new currency, depending on how it's issued and, and how the Bank of Canada wants to try and control it. One more minute with Moshe Landers, Senior Economics Lecturer at Concordia University. Are any other countries around the world looking at a digital currency? Looking, yeah, uh, but I don't think that anyone's, uh, you know, that far down the line either. The the thought is that progressive Sweden uh, is the one that's maybe the closest, but to say that they're close uh, is, is a relative term. So it, it's probably not something whose time is going to come in 2022, and I think that we still have a few Greek letters worth of variants to go through. <laughs> oh, no. It might speed up the process <laughs> that, we, that we consider, hey, maybe we need to start looking at this a little more seriously. Yeah, and is the volunteer, uh, the volatility of cryptocurrency, does that play a big part in all this? For sure. And so right now, what you want in any currency, physical or otherwise, is stability, right? I need to know that at the end of this year, my loonie is going to buy approximately what it could buy at the beginning of this year. And if the amount that it could buy is gyrating wildly, that's going to make me lose confidence in money. I'm not going to want to use it. And I'm going to start looking for things like bartering as a way to try and settle my bills. Um, if, if Bitcoin continues to dry rate like this, then the Bank of Canada is going to say, see, the world isn't quite ready yet for mainstream digital currencies. So let's hold off on that because we don't want to introduce that into Canadian purchasing behavior. Great explanation. Moshe, always appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us today. Anytime. That's Moshe Lander, Senior Economics Lecturer at Concordia University, chiming in about a digital currency and, in his words, still a pipe dream at this point in this country. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com.